I didn't totally know what to say in this space here. wasn't sure. I wanted to bring some kind of teaching, something, but I wasn't totally sure what to, what to say. So I asked Kimmy, my wife. Hi, Kimmy. I said, what should I talk about on this Kol Nidre? And she was pretty quick on it. She said, talk about death. <laughs> People should think about death on Yom Kippur. I laughed too, actually, when she said it, but there's a truth to it. Like I said, it's the moment, it's the day when... Jewish tradition teaches us we are, in fact, closest to death out of any other day. So what do you say when someone dies within Judaism, when you hear the, the news that someone has died? Traditionally, you say, Baruch Dayan Ha'emet. People have heard that before. Anybody know what it means in Hebrew? It's kind of a tough one. Literally, blessed is the true judge. You see, it gets translated as righteous judge, but emet really is truth. What? Blessed is the true judge. What does that have to do with the moment of hearing someone's death? That feels like a really hard one to square, actually. The idea that the death of someone we cared about, or maybe we loved, that that's true on some level, and that some judge made that determination, adjudicated that into reality? How do you get behind that as a prayer? How do you say that with any kind of intentionality. How are you supposed to hold, use that to hold the reality of someone's passing? So the first challenge to me is emet, truth. What is true? Well, if I think about that moment of loss, the thing that's the most true to me in that moment is the connection to the one who has passed, the attachment to one who we loved. That's what's really true in that place. Sometimes it's even more complicated than that. Oftentimes when I'm speaking with someone who has just experienced a loss, they'll say to me, you know, Rabbi, I, I love this person and I really struggled with them. I really had a hard time with them. Or I didn't see them as much as I wanted to because I really, in some ways, I couldn't stand them. And I, I feel eaten up to even admit that. Sometimes we love with ambivalence, ambivalence, both sides of it. And to hold that as being true, that's not dishonoring someone's memory. That's actually honoring the truth of that connection that we had to them. Emmet isn't about painting a pretty picture to gloss over. Emmet is the parts that are challenging sometimes. Emmet holds all of those things in that connection that we have. And if Emmet... The truth in Baruch Dayan HaEmet is what's between us, then by definition, it's not about me by myself. By definition, Baruch Dayan HaEmet can't be about just me or how I feel. It's about what's between us. It has to be something that's in the world. It has to be out there. It's that connection. The reason that we even say those words in the first place, that love, that sense of loss, that's what's true in that sense. I want to share a Hasidic idea that the Hasids have. They call it Bitul Hayesh. It's this idea of negating one's presence, one's self, one's desires, one's ego, all of that stuff that gets in the way of that connection. It's this idea that the way you pray is just as important as the fact that you do pray. And so they have this idea of Bitul Hayesh to pull us out of that 
to take us out of ourselves how we felt about it um, because it's bigger than that. We need to allow ourselves to take a step back sometimes in that space. We need to allow ourselves to put up our hands, say, Baruch Dayan Ha'emet, and to hold that loss. But see, the biggest thing about that bitul hayesh, that negating of what is, that negating of ourselves in the middle of it, of the ego, of the desire, all of that, there's this drive to control these things. We all feel it. We all wanted it to go a different way in a hospital room or in an emergency situation with someone who we've loved. That wanting it to go a different way. And we're so consumed with what we can control, what we can do, how to get some other person to do what we want or some company to give me my rebate or whatever this is. Um, sometimes that letting go of that drive to control, that that's the most important part of negating what is in between us in these times. We've got this whole liturgy for it on Yom Kippur. We've got this whole set of tools given to us from the rabbis all about how to pull ourselves out of it and that sense that we're going to control all of it. All that liturgy, who by water, who by fire, who by strangulation and wild animals and critters and all kinds of nastiness, on and on and on and on and on. Because there's this idea that we do need to, at a certain point, hold the boundary of what it is we can control. We have to be able to pull ourselves back. That's why they say that, okay, let God control these things that I can't. And no, I don't necessarily keep it as being transactional in the way that some of it is, is tshuva, tefillah, tzedakah, these things that you can do to lessen the terrible decree. I don't see it as transactional in that way, but it is holding a certain kind of fragility. It's a flowery way of holding it, of making it holy, making our anxieties holy, making that gap between what is and what we would want it to be, the way in which we'd want it to change. Even that can be holy in its own way, that we aren't bad for wanting it to be different, for wanting to exert a kind of control that we may not have, but it's understandable, and it's human, and it's sacred. To me, just sharing from my own journey, I feel like getting ready to have a baby that's due on October 18th feels like a master class in holding things that you can't control. <laughs> Look, I remember when I was in high school, if I studied hard enough for some standardized test, I could conquer it. If I worked hard enough on these essays, I could get into where it was I was wanting to go. There's a lot I could just will into being by force of my own conviction and drive. But having a baby is not like that. <laughs> having a baby bringing life into the world it actually is a little bit like that moment of death that we started on. That's another moment where you can't totally control it. All you can do is hold the fragility of it. My first inkling of this actually was a letter my dad wrote to me uh, on the eve of us getting married, actually. And he wrote this long letter sort of reflecting on our life on my life, really, and what he had observed as my dad, and it wasn't always easy or pretty, but he said from the beginning, he said that he was glad I had the right number of fingers and toes, <laughs> that that was enough for him. My dad's a research radiologist, he's a physician, and that was the thing he focused on. Is it, is it physiologically what it's supposed to be? Okay, I get it. 
But it's also bigger than that. I think it's comforting for him as that research physician to express this idea within the realm of physiology, but that metaphor he used about the fingers and toes, it's really kind of a shorthand that he hoped his son would be okay. He hoped his son would be all right, be healthy. And it was actually like that when his mother, when my grandma died. Zichronah Livracha. This is six or seven years ago. It's the thing, he's used to reading images, films as a radiologist. But when my grandma suffered this stroke and when she fell, I remember being in that space with him, of talking with these other doctors who were assigned to her care and wanting to bring all of his medical expertise and know-how and understanding, being able to read all of these MRIs and all of these images, figure out some course of treatment, something to do about it. But what was so powerful to me was, and humbling to me was seeing this career research physician hitting the limitations of what his field, of what that medical science could handle in terms of what it could predict and more importantly what it could affect. And my grandma died. When we hit that wall of what we could affect, what could be affected, in some ways what remained, all that's left at that point, where there weren't any more images to read, any more diagnoses to give, all that remained was his love for my grandmother. Being present with that which we can't control, but doing it with love, not minimizing anxiety, but entering into it with love. That's not easy. There's great fragility around it. It's, not, it's hard. It's really hard. So, if this is the day of the year that's closest to death, then there's a little bit about how we should be approaching this space. There's a lot we can't control. There's my own ego and my own desires and how I would want all these services and every little thing to go, how I would want my tshuva how I would want whatever it is I'm praying, offering up with the gates, being open, share shamayim, what I'm giving of myself into the room, and, and there's that which we can't control. There's that which I can't control. There's understanding that where it is I can't control, really, if I can enter with love, that's pretty good for Yom Kippur. Now, Baruch Dayan Ha'emet, it's three words. Baruch, blessed, praised, you know. Emet is the truth, which we've gone over. That last one is Dayan, to judge in Hebrew. I want to take it apart a little bit. Din, Dayan, it's law in a literal sense, but it's also a boundary. It's also an edge. It's a place past maybe which we can't go. Maybe to be Dayan. If Din is that edge, that limit of where we can go and what we can control, what we can push into being by will, Dayan maybe is the one who has some discernment about it. Dayan is the one who can recognize where I can't control this. I can't change this. I can't force it be one way or the other. All I can do is be here and be present and offer myself with some degree of love. Baruch Dayan Haemet. Blessed is the true judge. Blessing to those of us as we struggle with our discernment to hold that which we can't control and we can't affect and the truth of our love in those spaces.
whether it's this love for a new baby boy, the love for a dying grandmother. Surely it's a blessing to hold all of that love in addition to all of the fragility that we hold and that holds us on Yom Kippur. Shana Tovah.